this morning. Before that, I've got a million announcements to share with you. All of them are important. Today's our block party, third annual block party. I really hope that you're going to make the most of this opportunity. Everything is free, and we are hoping to have a thousand people come out tonight from 5 to 7 p.m. You have a part to play. Come to the block party and bring people with you. It is going to be awesome. Wednesday, not this coming Wednesday, but the next Wednesday, September 3rd, will be the meet and greet for our new director of student ministries, Ben Pirtle. Is Ben in here? Ben, are you with us? Ben may be with kids right now, but we're going to get, oh, there he is. Hey, there he is. Get, everybody welcome Ben Pirtle. He's in the back. Give him a hand. And uh, I, I hope you will extend a, a warm welcome to him. We look forward to how God's going to use him at FCC. Tell Me More, our sermon series with 20 other area churches, launches in two weeks. I've still got yard signs that I would love for you to take and put in your yard. If you have a business, it'd be awesome to put it in front of your business. We want to tell the story to as many people as we can. Also in your bulletin today is the Tell Me More invite card. And we have a thousand of these, so if you want more than one, we can spare more than one. But we don't want you to keep this. We want you to give this to someone and invite them to join you for worship beginning September 10. September 10 is Friend Day at FCC. We want to absolutely pack the place on that day. That evening, 5 p.m., a brand new experience is going to be offered on Sunday evenings called Sabbath End. Sabbath End will be a time of worship. Sabbath End will be a time of prayer. Sabbath End will be a time of mutual teaching and encouragement through God's Word, spiritual formation, and all are welcome. We're going to be gathering in the foyer area. I don't know if five people are coming or 50 are coming or 500 are coming. If we have 500, we won't be able to stay out there in the foyer, but we want you to give it a shot. What a great way to end your weekend than a spiritual formation gathering. It's being led by um, people that are not part of the ministry staff, Ken and Susan Klein, Dave and Becky Glenn, Norman Rachel Emery, to just name a few, and you will be blessed by Sabbath Inn. We have a member of our community, and he wishes to remain anonymous, so I want to honor that, but he paid the fee for the Beth Moore simulcast, so you can come for free on Saturday, September 16. And this is a national simulcast, actually an international simulcast, and it's for all women. Beth Moore, uh, just an incredible communicator. Women, this is really for you all day Saturday, September 16. Take advantage of that opportunity, and our biggest fan the flame yet will happen on Saturday night, September 23, at ISU Braden Auditorium. Michael W. Smith will be there. Please support this great venture. This Fan the Flame is um, being promoted to support the Midwest Food Bank, which we are blessed by. Our food pantry is blessed by. What a great, great cause. Last announcement, Sunday, September 17, meet and greet at 9.30 a.m. Well, this is week three of our Jonah series. And two weeks ago, we had a first-person sermon, kind of Jonah through the eyes of Jonah. And, and we saw maybe why Jonah wrestled with the call that was on his life. Last week, we looked at Jonah chapter 1. And Jonah chapter 1, to kind of summarize, Jonah chapter 1 involves a call. What was the call? God said, go to the awful people of Assyria. Jonah chapter 1 involves a rejection. Jonah said, I don't think so. 
And Jonah chapter 1 shows us the consequences of what happens when you run away from God. When you say thanks, but no thanks. And so I know that it's very possible that there's been a season in your life that you've been like Jonah. You've been running away from God. And you could probably look back and say, you know, looking back on there were some consequences that played out. There was some negative that unfolded. I didn't have peace in the midst of that rebellion. That's the story of Jonah chapter 1. That Jonah ran away from the Lord and he ended up literally at rock bottom. He hit rock bottom. It was about as bad as it can get. And so, spoiler alert, when we run away from God, when we allow love of this world or mixed messages in our life to get the best of us and we're on the run from God, we will end up at rock bottom. Bottom line. Absolute bottom line. Today, we're going to see what happens when you hit rock bottom. The message today is entitled Portraits of Repentance. And we're going to look at chapter 2 and we're going to look at chapter 3. And it's really two different pictures of repentance. And there's much for us to grab a hold of. But, but that word repentance, that's a churchy word. That's a spiritual word. It's not really considered something that many within the faith want to grab a hold of today. Preach on the grace of God. Preach on the mercy of God. But repentance? Do we really want to go there? And the thing about preaching through a book of the Bible is that God, through the Holy Spirit, kind of says, you don't need to worry about what you're going to preach. Just go with chapter 2. Just go with chapter 3. And when you do it, it's amazing how the Holy Spirit works in our lives and we can glean so much from the truth of God's Word. So repentance, think about that for just a moment. If you're sitting next to someone that you like, um, ask them this question, how would you define repentance? If you don't like them, just kidding. But if you don't want to ask them, just think about that for just a moment. How would you define repentance? Think about that for just a moment. Go ahead. And you can talk. It's all right. Right now, out loud, go ahead, talk. Repentance. What do we know about repentance? What's it mean to repent? That's the most polite conversation starter I think I've ever been a part of in a church. Okay, come on back, repentance. I want to take us to the New Testament, even though we're in the Old Testament this morning and we're looking at the prophet Jonah, I want to take us to the New Testament and give you a New Testament picture of repentance. And so repentance, it's all over the Bible. It's in the Old Testament, it's in the New Testament, but if you were to try to summarize what's New Testament repentance look like, there's, there's two parts, two things that kind of jump to the forefront. And New Testament repentance always involves regret and remorse first and foremost. There's always this deep agony over, I am wrong. The things that I, I'm doing break the heart of God. I, I can't believe I've traveled down that road again. I lead a, a weekly Bible school class, and we're going through the book of Romans. And in Romans chapter 7, we studied it last week. Here's what the greatest missionary the world has ever known had to say about sin in his life. Here's what he said. He said, the things 
that I want to do, I don't do. The things I hate, those are the things I do. What a wretched man am I? That's the Apostle Paul. That's regret, and that's remorse. And that's a picture of repentance. New Testament repentance has this deep, deep sense of, I can't believe I've traveled down that road. I can't believe that's where I'm at today. It's regret and remorse. But it's also, number two, the decision to change. It's a a change of mind. It's a, a change of heart. It's a change of direction. I bet some of you, when I asked you to kind of define repentance, the word that came to mind is the word sorry. God, I'm sorry for my sin. God, I'm sorry for my mouth. God, I'm sorry for my heart. God, I'm sorry for my actions. New Testament repentance is much more than just saying sorry. It's saying, I have to change. I can't continue on that path any longer. And so that sounds good. It looks nice up on the screen. But you know, there are obstacles to repentance. Obstacles that get in the way in my life and in your life. And obstacle number one is pride. Far too many times, pride gets between us and repentance. We know we should repent. Jonah knew he should repent. But pride gets in the way. Sometimes it's bad theology that gets in the way. What's bad theology? Here's one example of bad theology. Well, God just wants me to be happy. And I heard someone kind of laugh at that, but, but here's the thing about it. I can't tell you the number of people that I know that wear the label Christ follower that have adopted that as their view of God. And if that's your view of God, you could find yourself doing some really unholy things. Some things that run counter to the truth of God's word that could keep you from truly repenting. Negative influences can get in the way of truly embracing repentance, truly having a repentant heart. And then finally, love of this world. The last book that the Apostle Paul wrote was a letter to his young son in the faith, Timothy. And in this letter to Timothy, he said, I want you to go get another young son of the faith. His name was John Mark, and bring him to me. I need John Mark. And that's a really cool story because John Mark had deserted Paul and Barnabas on the first missionary journey. And John Mark was estranged from the Apostle Paul. And yet he's saying, bring him to me. I need him. You know why he needed John Mark? Because a third young son of the faith, Demas... What did Demas do? He just quit. He just gave up because of love of the world he was living in. And if you love this world so much that it's the biggest thing in your life, it's hard to truly have a heart of repentance. And so let's get to the text. Let's get to God's word. We're going to look at Jonah chapter 2. Then we're going to look at Jonah chapter 3. And Jonah chapter 2, I'm calling this a portrait of personal repentance. Personal repentance. Now, where is Jonah as Jonah chapter 2 begins? Jonah is at rock bottom. Jonah's inside the big fish. And he's inside the big fish for three days and three nights. And it probably stinks 
It's probably awful. It's not where he wants to be. And he's got some choices to make. What's he going to do with this hell that is his reality right now? What's he going to do with this separation that he's experiencing right now? And let's see what God's word has for us. Jonah chapter 2. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord as God. And he said, in my distress, I called thee the Lord. And he answered me. From the depths of the grave I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the currents swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. I said, I've been banished from your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threatened me. The deep surrounded me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. How disgusting would that be? Seaweed is wrapped around his head. To the roots of the mountains, I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. That's despair. But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord. And my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you. What I have vowed, I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto the dry ground. And so... The rock bottom stinks. The consequences of my sin and your sin can stink. And yet it's sometimes in the midst of that season of consequences, in that season of being at rock bottom, that we can grab a hold of the Lord when we need him the most. And there are three, four, excuse me, four things that play out here that Jonah is a part of that we can't miss. And number one, Jonah could have done a lot of different things, but he begins with a heartfelt prayer to the Lord. That's number one. Jonah's heart is a heart of prayer. Jonah's crying out to the Lord. Jonah's there because he deserves to be there. Jonah's there because there's consequences when we run from God. But Jonah's on the right path when he prays to the Lord. Secondly, we see God's mercy all around. Jonah's basically saying, I should be dead. I got the seaweed thing happening. I'm at the bottom of the ocean floor. And yet I cried out to you. And you heard me. Your mercy sustained me. Your mercy is blessing me. One of my favorite parts of the Jonah story is that God didn't give up on him, even when he was justified to do so. God's mercy is enduring. That's a promise from the Psalms. God's mercy endures. Three, we don't know what kind of a song leader he would be. We don't know if he could be a part of this band or not. But Jonah cries out in worship. He lifts up worship to the Lord. And again, don't ever buy the lie that the only time you can worship is at 1045 on a Sunday morning with the drums and the guitar and the bass. Some of my favorite worship happens on the bike trail at Rock Springs in Decatur or Weldon Springs, east of town. 
It's probably not very poetic at times. I don't think I'd want any of you to hear it at times. But worship can and should be an incredibly intimate experience. And then from rock bottom, we talked about bad theology. Jonah gives us some good theology. What's the good theology? That salvation comes from the Lord. See, in Jonah chapter 1, we saw the greatness of God. Our God is a great God. And we saw the greatness in an awful kind of way, that terrible storm. And the greatness of God is unfolding this weekend in an awful kind of way. Hurricane. Pray for the people in Texas. Pray for the Christians all around the Southwest that they're going to be able to be salt and be light and be a blessing. Our God is a great, mighty, powerful God. But here's the second part of the theology that we have in the book of Jonah, and that is that salvation comes from the Lord. Jonah gets that at rock bottom. The preacher finally gets it. The prophet finally gets it. Here's my summary of Jonah chapter 2. The God of second chances, Jonah makes the most of a new opportunity and will be used by God in a mighty way. Jonah gets a second chance. I've been given second chances. You've been given second chances. If you're on the run from the Lord, God wants to give you a second chance. God never stops chasing us. God never stops loving us. Even when we spit in his face, even when we curse his name, God wants all people to be saved. Not all people will. But God wants all people to be saved. Let's go to Jonah chapter 3. Chapter 2 was a picture of personal repentance. Chapter 3 is a picture of public repentance. Listen to the word of the Lord, Jonah chapter 3. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. Now I need to take time out right here because if you've missed the first two weeks, you've missed Jonah's big deal. Jonah hates the Assyrians. Jonah hates the Ninevites. And they were a pretty hateable people. They really were. They were barbaric. They were ruthless. They would eventually overrun the northern kingdom of Israel. Jonah probably knew people that had been persecuted at the hands of the Assyrians. Jonah probably knew people that had been killed at the hands of the Assyrians. So it's not good that he hates them, but it's understandable that he hates them. And God says, go preach at Nineveh. Go preach to those people. And so in chapter 1, he says, I don't think so. But in chapter 3, he gets a second chance. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord, and he went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very important city. A visit required three days. That means it was a big old place. And if you're going to walk through the city, you need three days to get all the way through the city. On the first day, Jonah started into the city. He proclaimed 40 more days, and Nineveh will be overturned. Pretty basic sermon. The Ninevites believed God. They declared a fast in all of them. From the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. That's a sign of repentance. That's a sign of humility. When the news reached the king of Nineveh, the most powerful person in the world at this time, he rose from his throne, he took off his royal robes, he covered himself with sackcloth, and he sat down in the dust. And then he issued a proclamation in Nineveh. 
By decree of the king and his nobles, do not let any man or beast, herd or flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone urgently call on God. Let him who gives up their evil ways and their violence, who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so we will not perish. If you have your own Bible, or even if you have a pew Bible, you can do this. I want you to underline that, that sentence right there from who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so we will not perish. This is the most powerful man in the world. He can have anything he wants at any time. He's a lean, mean, killing machine. And he said, who knows? Maybe if we just pray. Maybe if we just repent. Maybe if we just humble ourselves. God will hear our cry. God will have compassion on us. The end of Jonah 3. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he had compassion and did not bring upon them the destruction he had threatened. An entire city puts on sackcloth and says, wow, we're wrong. Wow, we need to change. Wow, we need to repent. You know what this is? This is the greatest revival recorded in the Bible. It's greater than the day of Pentecost. It's greater than any sermon that Jesus preached in terms of the response to it. It's greater than any of the things that Paul and Barnabas and then Paul and Silas and then Paul and Apollos experienced. This is it. This is number one. This is Jonah's revival moment. The runaway preacher, the runaway prophet, is smack dab in the middle of the greatest revival recorded in Scripture. And I believe that Jonah's revival moment shows us three things. I want you to grab all three this morning. Number one is this. Jonah's revival moment shows us the power of God's Word, the power of the Word of God. And so that's why we are continually trying to help you be in God's Word. Spend time in God's Word. This week, we're going through the book of Proverbs. We're about halfway through the book of Proverbs. Do you know how blessed you will be if every day you wake up and the first thing you do is read one of the chapters in Proverbs? Do you know how blessed you will be if ever... I mean, think what your dreams might be if the last thing you did before you went to bed at night was read a chapter in the book of Proverbs. Thy word, it's a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Your word I've hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. It shows the absolute power of God's word for our life. Number two, Jonah's revival moment gives us a portrait of what I would call true unconditional repentance. See, there's no negotiation. When you read chapter two, it almost kind of reads like there's a negotiation going on. A lot in Jonah chapter 2, Jonah's talking about himself, a lot of I, a lot of my. And the king of Nineveh and the people of Nineveh are saying, we are in trouble. 
All we can do is get in the dirt. All we can do is repent. All we can do is say, we got to change. It's a picture of true repentance. And then finally, and I think best of all, I love Jonah chapter 3 because it reveals what I would call even better theology. It reveals the goodness of God. And nowhere do we see the goodness of God more than in the life of Jesus Christ. We see the goodness of God in Jesus when he stood at Lazarus' tomb. He knew he was getting ready to do a miracle. He knew he was getting ready to raise Lazarus from the dead. But he wept big old tears of sadness because he saw Martha. And he saw Mary. And he saw their heartbreak. That's the goodness of God. How many miracles did Jesus do kind of after the fact? He wasn't planning on miracles. But he saw the widow at Nain, and he saw people that were hurting, and this splunkna, this compassion, rose up from within him, and he said, I, I got to touch him. I have to bless him. That is the goodness of God. And can I remind you that when you take seriously the call of God in your life to be the salt of the earth, to be the light of the world, to make a difference in his name, to be Christ's ambassador, you can impart the goodness of God, to a world, to a community that absolutely needs hope. And so what's the point of the book of Jonah? Well, if you were here last week, you're going to think that I forgot to change my PowerPoint slides. I really didn't. It's the exact same thing as last week. Here's the point of the book of Jonah. It doesn't change. People living outside the grace of God absolutely matter to God. They absolutely matter to God. I found myself this uh, last week spending time with someone that I've got to confess, I didn't want to spend time with him. I've kind of had an up and down relationship with this person through the years, and there's been times he's been very angry with me, there's been times that he's not been angry with me, there's been times he's been frustrated with our church, and I found myself alone in our church van with him, and I just started to engage him. And he shared with me some real frustrations that he had in life. And I finally just said, brother, I've got to ask you this question. Where are you at when it comes to Jesus? Where's your heart today? His answer broke my heart. He said, pastor, I'm a former Christian. I'm a former Christian. I used to be a follower of Jesus. I used to do all that stuff that you talk about. But today, I'm a former Christian. And can I tell you, that individual absolutely matters to God. We all have people in our world that either are living outside the grace of God or they're kind of on the run from God. They would grab that title, former Christian. Every single one of them matters to God. And so here's the question for you. It's the same question I left you with last week. Do people living outside the grace of God matter to you? Do people like my man that I was in the van with, do, do they matter to you? Or do you just write them off and say this stinks to be you? Or does your heart break? All fall 
at FCC and throughout this community, we are going to have opportunities to be salt, to be light, to shake and shine for Jesus. What are you going to do? And so that's our portraits of repentance. Personal repentance, public repentance. And Samuel's going to wrap it up for us next week with an inside look at what a pouting preacher looks like. What a pouting prophet looks like. And I can't wait to hear it. Let's pray. God, thank you for today. I thank you for the convicting power of your word. I thank you for your Holy Spirit. And God, right now, I, I just, I implore you that your spirit would be at work in my life and my heart and our lives and our, our heart. That we'd never get used to saying, well, it stinks to be him. Stinks to be her. It's too bad that they're running away. It's too bad that they're living outside God's grace. God, right now, as Samuel and the team leads us in worship, break our hearts for people in our world that need Jesus. And as you break our heart, begin to equip us to be your ambassadors. Equip us to be men and women and teens and children of courage who are unafraid to be people of grace and truth and love and mercy. Thank you most of all for Jesus and the hope that he brings us. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. And so as we uh, transition into our time of worship, we're probably going to stand up would be my guess. And I'm up front during this time. And if you have a decision to make for Jesus, if you just want someone to pray with you, man, I'd love to do that. Uh, Nate Bostic, one of our elders, is going to be in the fireside room this morning. If you'd like a more quiet place, a more intimate place to just experience the blessing of, uh, of one of our leaders, just a great guy, seek him out. He'd love to pray with you as we stand together. And Samuel leads us. As Greg talked about, there are two portraits of repentance that we can follow this morning. And the first was Jonah. And the world came crashing down on him. And in his disobedience, he was brought to a place of brokenness and realizing that he needed God's grace. And so he cried out and he changed and so maybe maybe that's where you're at this morning maybe you've known God for a long time and he's called you to something or laid something on your heart and you've been disobedient to that and so maybe this morning you need to repent like Jonah did say God you are right that there's this thing in my life that I need to give back to you that I need to to engage with or maybe your portrait of repentance is more like that of, of Nineveh where you never have really known God and you've just lived your life and maybe for the first time this morning you've realized that you need to 
you want to change, that you want the life that God desires for you, that Jesus offers us the fullness and the abundant life. And so as Greg said, if during this time you're either of those porches of repentance and you would like prayer and you might want to talk to Greg or talk to Cody or any of our prayer warriors who would love to pray for you, please come up during these songs. These songs are rich with imagery of surrender and repentance. And so as we sing and pray these songs together, maybe it's time for you to take a step of repentance in your life. Hallelujah. 
bow down before him for he is lord of all sing hallelujah christ is arisen oh what a Father's arms are open. 